see if you learn some Spanish. Buenos dias. All right, you're learning. That's good. Good morning, or howdy. It's good to be here in uh, Indian Gap, uh, Texas. Never been here my whole life, so <laughs> my wife and son. Uh, likewise, they have never been here, but uh, we came in last night, and uh, praise God, we didn't get lost. We were uh, using a combination of Google Maps and Brother Ronnie's directions, and and they kind of coincided. Actually, Google Maps had us going off to the right, or no, to the left, uh, before we got to Pretty. That's a pretty town, huh? And so before we got to Pretty, and I said, no, 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 I'm going to follow what Brother Ronnie said, and we just kind of uh, kept the way, and we made it last night. Uh, kind of late, all the food was cold, amen? <laughs> but no, I was just kidding. Um, praise God, we made it, and we're, we're excited. And we are the Campanas. For those who were not here in the Sunday School Hour, we are the Campanas. I'm Jim uh, Campana. Does rhyme with banana. That's right. And is my beautiful Mexican wife, Sylvia. I'm going to have her stand up again. And our son, Daniel. Of course, you met him uh, or saw him play the fiddle. Uh, we call it violin, but here in Texas, I like guess, fiddle, right? And uh, we do have a 19-year-old uh, daughter who is a sophomore at West Coast Baptist College. And she's studying music and counseling. And um, like I mentioned the first hour, there's lots of kids where we're at in this new church. Lots of kids and teenagers. And um, man, sometimes there's 30 kids in this small little room. I mean, I mean the size of like where the mission table is, and that's pretty much it. And uh, then another smaller room for the teenagers, <laughs> like a closet. That's where Daddy goes uh, with Brother Julio. And I don't know how they pack them in there, but I, I think we had like 14 last Sunday or the Sunday before. So I don't know how they do it. And then we have the big auditorium, we, which is probably the size of maybe from this pew where Brother, your preacher's at, maybe to back where Joker's at. Uh, maybe another pew, and that's it. So maybe uh, room for normally about 30 or 40. We pack, we get whatever you can get in there. So add 60 in there and probably room for 80. But anyhow, we're, we're, we are excited. We are on our fourth church plant by God's grace. To God be the glory. We do not claim any of it, any of the credit. Amen. We are instruments, um, nothing more, and that that lowly at best, but uh, to God be the glory. Amen? God's, God's a great soul winner. God's a great church planner. And we are privileged to be able to have a part in it. And um, like they say in Spanish, echar nuestro granito de arena, uh, which be translated just to have, put a little piece of, uh, of sand uh, on the balance. But we, we don't take any more credit than then we should. But anyhow, if you have a Bible, please uh, open your Bible to 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to read just two verses there just to get a little bit background. And then we'll go to chapter 7. It is an honor also to have Grandma Brooks with us, or Marie Brooks, uh, with us. Can you raise your hand there, Grandma? Okay. And her grandson, Wyatt, uh, who's with us as well. He was the, the, the driver. They got a little lost because they hit the, the, the detour. So Brother Ronnie kind of coached him on here uh, from Hamilton. And um, kind of like the widow woman that was taking care of Elijah um, when there was a great dearth. Uh, that's where Grandma Brooks was for me. When I went to Mexico, I was single. Of course, came back married. Uh, but there was only one church that took me on for $50 a month, and then a widow woman, Marie Brooks. And she was supporting me for $125 a month, and I lived on that. I lived on that for a couple of years. And uh, when, we, when I moved from Chihuahua uh, to the, uh, the central part of Mexico, a place called San Luis Potosí, uh, I remember meeting her at the border. I think it was Brownsville. I, don't, I can't remember if it was Brownsville, but anyhow, I met her in the border. said, I got a surprise for you. I was like, man, what's a surprise? And it was a Chevy Suburban truck. And it was beautiful. I still remember it. 
It was beautiful. It had the wooden panel, remember the, the wooden side panel to it, and it was red, and uh, some other colors, I think yellow in there, and it was, I was like, this is just amazing. <laughs> and we used that as our, our bus route vehicle. Our, uh, and uh, man, we filled that thing up. We put a propane gas carburetor around that thing, and we'd get good gas mileage and, and just bring all the people to church. And Marie Brooks, I don't talk about people having rewards in heaven. I know Marie Brooks is going to have lots of, lots of treasure up in heaven for sure. Anyhow, if you do have a Bible, if you happen to get to 2 Kings chapter 6 with all that talk, uh, I'll be reading verse 24 and 25, and then we'll be uh, going up to chapter 7, verses 1 to 9. Hopefully that'll give us a good context so that I can springboard off to the message. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 24 says, And it came to pass after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his host, and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and behold, they besieged it, until an ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver, and the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. Now we're going to go to chapter 7. Then Elisha said, Hear, the, hear ye the word of the Lord, thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God, and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows of heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. And there are four leprous men of the, entering in of the gate, and they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Now therefore, come and let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. And they rose up in the twilight to go in the camp of the Syrians. And when they come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even a noise of a great host. And they say one to another, Lo, the king of Israel has hired against us a king of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians that come upon us. Wherefore they rose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for the life. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink, and carried then silver and gold and raiment, and went and hid it, and came again and entered into another tent, and carried thence also, and went and hid it. Then they said one to another, We do not well. This is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. If we tarry to the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come, that we may go and tell the king's household. I'd like to speak to you uh, for a few moments about a message titled, Go and Tell. Go and Tell. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just thank you, God, that you uh, are asking us this morning to lift up our eyes and look out in the fields that are ripe unto harvest. Father, you want us to go and tell. God, this is a day of good news, of glad tidings. And Father, we do not well and Lord, keeping this to ourselves. Father, help us, God, to be willing to go and tell the good news of the gospel. Well, thank you in Christ's name. Amen. The king of Israel and the Jews found themselves in a very bad situation. Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, and his mighty army had surrounded the city of Samaria. So much so that no one could get in, no one could get out, and so supplies, little by little, were just dwindling and running out. And so a terrible famine had set in. So bad, as you can see here in chapter 6, that an ass's head was selling for 80 pieces of silver. I looked it up on the, the Google, about $200 uh, for roast uh, donkey, donkey head. And a uh, fourth part of a cab of dove's dung, I looked that up, and that's a pint 
a pint of dove's dung was selling for five pieces of silver. That would be about $12.50 for dove, uh, dove crud. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the situation was so bad, if you kept on reading verse 6, it says that two ladies got together and the, the one boiled her son the one day and they had roast uh, f- human flesh. And then the next day they were planning on, or she was planning on eating uh, her neighbor's son and she, she uh, kind of uh, went bad on her bargain. And anyhow, the people were basically reverting to cannibalistic acts to survive. So we, we can imagine that pretty much every day, hundreds and hundreds of people were dying in the city of Samaria. No, ba- no doubt the people started crying out to God, as of course most people would do, for God's mercy. And God, who is merciful, I believe, heard their prayers and miraculously intervened to open up the, the windows of heaven of course, spoken by the prophet Elijah, and God made the Syrian camp to hear the noise of battle, of, of chariots and horses and, and, and a multitude of, of people. Of course, that didn't happen, but in their panic, they fled for the life, and they left basically all their goods. They left all their cattle, they left all their horses, they left food and clothing, even wealth, silver, and gold. And it was at this time that God put in the heart of four lepers to venture out to the camp, thinking, well, you know, if we stay in the city, we'll die. There's no food. If we stay here in front of the gate, we'll die. There's no food here in the front of the the city gate. And say, well, you know, let's venture out to the Syrian army. They have plenty of food. And if they have mercy upon us, we'll survive. And if they kill us, well, we'll only die. That's what we're expecting anyhow. And so as they went out, they found sustenance and treasure beyond their wildest imagination. And so as they were just basically having a party, um, they really, in reality, were God's instruments, because the Bible says that God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Amen? They were God's instruments uh, to rescue the perishing. The problem was that these few blessed individuals didn't realize that they're God's instruments to save the people that were starving to death in the city of Samaria uh, and go tell them the good news. They were so caught up in their selfish pursuit of, of just pursuing wealth and comfort that they're hiding underneath the earth the very treasure that God has set apart to save and rescue the perishing, the people of Samaria. Well, thank God, God's given us a conscience. Amen? Amen. Because God used that conscience to, to stir them up and make them realize that they were sinning, that they're being selfish, they're being proud, and that God would judge them, God would visit them for hoarding the very bread of life that could save the multitude that was just probably a couple miles down the road. And so, God did a work of grace in their hearts, didn't he? God stirred up their hearts. God did a work, because God's a God of grace. And they finally went and told the king the good news. And the next day, just like the prophecy of the word of the Lord through the prophet Elijah, It says that one, let me see if I can, one measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel, which of course would be a very cheap price, and then two measures of barley, which is a cheaper grain, for one shekel, according to the word of the Lord. And of course that city of thousands of people were saved because they were willing to go and tell. I'd like to speak this morning about our duty to do the same. We need to go and tell. Amen. We need to recognize that the 7.8 billion people on the planet are also surrounded 
by a host of demonic spirits and have blinded the minds and hearts of the people, these billions of people, so that the light of the gospel of Christ will not shine into them. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 that they're following the course of this world, that they're following the prince of the power there, which is Satan, the spirit that's working in the children of disobedience. The devil has surrounded this planet with these lying spirits so that people, like it says in Ephesians chapter 4, have given themselves over unto all lasciviousness to work all uncleanliness with greediness. And basically that's what's happening. We're seeing that in the world. The world's caught up in sex and drugs and music and partying and just a loose, a loose lifestyle, and they're on the highway to hell. Amen? As I was, as a 19-year-old, stu- uh, sophomore student at Buckner University, I was on the highway to hell as a rock and roller. And um, I met a man named Danny Circa. I was telling Brother Ronnie this last night. Uh, you know what? Sex, drugs, and rock and roll can't fill your heart. Only Jesus can. Amen? And Danny Circo, he, uh, he was a janitor... Uh, as I went out for a break, I was studying for an Economics 103 exam, and I went for a break uh, to get a bison hamburger with my girlfriend. And he was singing out at the top of his lungs as he was cleaning the toilets, uh, a Christian hymn. Um, it wasn't Amazing Grace, but it was something like that. And that was my burning bush. That drew my, atten- uh, drew my attention to the bathroom with my girlfriend. And uh, we were, you know, I was rock and roll. I was like, what is that, you know? And he could see on my face that I was kind of like, you know, taken back by it. And he said, oh, well, that's a Christian hymn. I got saved. I was, a, I was into drugs. I was following the, rolling, uh, uh, the Grateful Dead uh, for many years. I was going to rock concert to rock concert. And, and he had my attention, let me tell you. Uh, I looked into his eyes. His eyes were all yellow from all the drugs he had taken. And he said, yeah, I got saved. Are, and then he said, are you saved? And I was like taken back by that, that question. I was a Roman Catholic. I got saved. And so my Roman Catholic prior said, yeah, I think so. And the Holy Spirit of God said, no, you're not. You're not saved. And so for the next two hours, he just preached to me the good news of Christ. Amen. That Jesus said, enter in the straight gate for wide is the gate and uh, broad is the way to destruction and many there be in that path. Yeah. And uh, straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. And I knew I was on the highway to hell. I knew that my lifestyle did not please God, and that sin does not please God. And I was condemned. And uh, it was about 11 o'clock at night after hearing the gospel. Uh, it was December 18, 1978. I called upon Jesus to save me, and he saved me. Amen. And I thank God for that. But what about... Like I said, these 7.8 billion people, one-third of which have never heard the name Jesus Christ. One-third, imagine that. Almost 3 billion people have never heard. All the, I think it's 800 million people that worship Buddha. I can imagine that. I have a friend who went to, uh, to Thailand, and he said people, they worship Buddha. And in every corner, these, these big statues of Buddha, and they have no idea how to get to heaven. Uh, the Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 18, he, he that believes in him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already. Wow. In other words, that if they die without Christ, they're already condemned. Uh, and Revelation says the fearful and unbelieving, the abominable murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers, which are drug addicts uh, and idolaters, uh, like in, in Mexico, as you saw in the video, most people worship the Virgin of Guadalupe. Uh, let me tell you this, the, Roman, the people of Mexico, they have a zeal for God. They, 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 in their way, they love God, but not according to knowledge. And God says, my people are destroyed because they lack knowledge. And that's what the devil wants. They don't want them, the devil doesn't want these people of Mexico to know the truth. Christ is the way. Christ is the truth, and he's the life. And by... Reject or not, or not accepting Christ, the Bible says they'll have their part in the lake of fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And so we have to recognize, we have to wake up to the reality that really most people in this world do not 
have Christ as, as Lord and Savior. They're on the highway to hell, just like I was until I was 19 years old. Number two, we need to recognize that God, out of His great love and His mercy for the lost and dying people of this world, has provided the bread of life. Amen? Jesus Christ. God, in His love and mercy for the 7.8 million people, or billion people in this world, has sent a miraculous intervention to rescue the perishing. Just like Elijah was prophesizing about this bread to save the multitudes in the city of Samaria, just down the, the road, God's prophets have also spoken of a heavenly bread that one day would come and save the multitudes that are in the valley of decision and on the, the way to eternal death. It's spoken about or prophesied in the book of Isaiah. Chapter 7, verse 14, it says, A virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. Uh, he would also not just be virgin born, but he would be a king. In Isaiah chapter 9, in verse 6, it says that unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. I believe it's talking about the Son of God, amen? amen. And his name shall be wonderful, counselor, the mighty God. Jesus is God. Amen? Amen. The everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And the Bible says of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end. Jesus one day is coming back. Jesus Christ one day will rule as King of Kings and Lord of Lords and is upon the throne of David. God is going to, to come and the kingdoms of this world will no longer be in existence, they'll be of our God and of His Christ. Yes, yes. And He would also be, be a Savior. The prophet Isaiah prophesies that He would be wounded for our transgressions. He would be bruised for our iniquities, that the chastisement of our peace would be upon Him, and by His stripes we could be healed. Yes. All of this was prophesied 700 years before, that the bread of life, Jesus Christ would be born of a virgin in that, in that place in Bethlehem to be the one that will be sent from heaven and be the bread of life to save the thousands and millions of people in all the world. Christ himself said in John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. Yes. And he boasted to say that he that comes to me will never be hungry. He that believes in me will never thirst. And that's the good news. Amen? Amen? So that all who believe in Him shall be forgiven of their sins, which they could not be saved or forgiven by keeping the law of Moses. Like I said, it's so sad. You see the people in Mexico. Uh, when we lived in San Luis Potosi, uh, there was like a walkway. It was like a stone walkway that led up to a basilica. And you could see people walking on their knees, many of them to their bloody, to get to a statue of Mary, thinking that somehow Mary could intervene for the salvation of their souls. That's sad. Yes. But you know what? Our Savior has given us the gift of God, which is eternal life through the faith of Him. Amen? In yes. John chapter 6, Verse 47, Christ says, Verily, verily, I send unto you, he that believes in me has everlasting life. He said, I am the bread of life. Amen? Amen? My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my Father's hands. We live in a day and age where we should be, uh, we should be proclaiming Far and wide the good news that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen? Amen. That's good news. And just like those four lepers that had discovered that gold mine, basically, of wealth and sustenance and clothing and all other, we too, here in America, where we 
have freedom still to be together on a Sunday morning with a King James Bible and preaching the good news, we have to understand we're like those four lepers. We, we have great wealth. We have not just great physical wealth, we have great spiritual wealth. We have what it takes to reach those 7.8 billion people. God says in his word that now then we are ambassadors in the name of Christ. Amen? As if God did beseech you by us. In other words, God's saying, I want you, the church, to be the instrument so I can tell people that I love them, that I provided in Christ a Savior, one who has paid the penalty of your sins, and all you have to do is repent and believe the gospel, and you'll be saved. God has chosen us to be that chosen generation, like it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, that royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that we should show forth the praises of him that has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And God has said in his word that we should go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That means that we have the responsibility to go to the 198 countries of this world sending out the light, sending out missionaries that are going to bring the bread of life to these 198 countries of the world so that people will not starve to death spiritually. Amen? They, they might not spend a Christless eternity in the lake of fire and brimstone, that they might be up in heaven walking in the streets of gold and receiving that blessed promise of a heavenly mansion. The problem is that like those four lepers, we also battle with selfishness and pride, don't we? That's the problem. When those four lepers found all the wealth, they were so ecstatic. They were like, we're not going to die. We're not going to die. We found here life. We have the bread of life. And they got so caught up in, in just hoarding all this First of all, it's food, then the silver and gold. They went and they were what? Hiding the silver and hiding the gold. They were, or the gold. They were hiding the very wealth that God had provided to save the people just down the road. You follow me? And so the same thing here. Here in America, the Bible says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Amen? God has blessed America. God has opened up the windows of heaven. God has showered down upon us showers of blessing. And we have abundance of wealth. We have abundance of bread. We have abundance of of blessings. But the problem is, we are hoarding all that wealth to ourselves. We're so caught up in the pursuit of carnal pleasures that we've forgotten our God-given duty to go and tell the good news. We're so caught up in hiding our treasures in earthly vanities like 401Ks and lavish vacations, beautiful cabins up in the mountains or fishing boats or campers and SUVs, hiding all that, that wealth while thousands and thousands of people down the road are perishing for a lack of of the bread of life. And just like those lepers who said in verse 9, if you look in your Bible, chapter 7, verse 9, they said one to another, we do not well. This is a day of, of glad tidings or good tidings. And if we hold our peace, and we, I'm sorry, and we hold our peace, if we tarry to the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. In other words, they realized by, by, by hoarding this wealth, by simply sitting back and doing nothing, I mean, they weren't getting drunk, they weren't you know, robbing or stealing or killing, they weren't committing adultery, simply they were doing nothing, just enjoying the wealth. They knew that God's judgment would come upon them. Likewise, us Christians here in America, most of us aren't getting drunk. I don't think anybody here is planning on getting drunk tonight. Is there? 
I don't think, I, I imagine most of the men and women here plan on continuing being faithful to their marriage vows. Amen? I don't think that's the problem. But the Bible says in the book of James, it says that we should be doers of the word and not just hearers deceiving ourselves. In fact, further down the, uh, down the road in the book of James, it says, Therefore, he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. Yeah, it's not the sin of commission. It's the sin of omission, right? Because we're leaving behind what we know is our duty. We have what it takes. We have the bread of life, Jesus Christ. Amen? We love him. We know him. We praise him. We pray to him. And yet, there's thousands of people down the road here in Mexico, right across the border, that need the bread of life. And then further down in Central America, places like El Salvador and, and, and Nicaragua, and then further down in South America, and then across the ocean in Africa, uh, I think there's 1.2 billion people in Africa. And then, of course, in China, who's become one of our worst enemies. But they have souls too, amen? They need the, bre the bread of life. And so, every day that we who are priding ourselves in our King James Bible, and I love the King James Bible, amen? And pride ourselves in our Baptist heritage and pride ourselves in the fact we're saved, we're on the way to heaven, amen? But every day that we do nothing, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people are passing into a crisis eternity. And their blood will be upon us. And I believe that we're seeing the signs of coming judgment, kind of like these lepers who said, we hold our peace, and if we tarry to the morning light, some mischief, some judgment will come upon us. Look with me in your Bible, Isaiah chapter 1, to see some of these signs. America, I believe, which was many years ago a righteous nation, a God-fearing nation. The people that came over here were carrying Bibles. Amen? But now, I think, as we look out what's going on in the country, I think it's very similar to what it says here in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 4. It says, oh, it says A sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord, they have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger, they are gone away backward. Years ago, we were going forward. Amen? Yeah. Now it seems like we're going backwards. What's happening? We're seeing our cities being burned. In Portland, Oregon, verse 7 says that your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers devoured in your presence. It is desolate as overthrown by strangers. They say a lot of these people that, that are burning our cities, Antifa, they're not even from America. They're people that have been sent from other countries. They're strangers. They're foreigners. They're communists. They're people that hate America. Yeah. They're people who want to burn down America. They're people who want to get rid of our Constitution. They want to get rid of our guns. They want to get rid of our, 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 all of our freedoms. But part of the reason why we're seeing what's happening today is because God's hand of protection is slowly being taken off America. God says the word, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And you know what? I, I can't say, honestly, that the Lord is our God anymore. The Bible says in the first commandment, I am the Lord thy God who brought you out of the land of, of Egypt, the land of, of slavery. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And I believe we've made money and pleasure and vacation a God. And we've gotten away from the true God. And we need to get back. We need to get back and understand that the reason we're in the, the situation that we're in is because we no longer are holding the Lord to be our God. We need to get back to our first love, which is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. If not, America is going to lose her God-given privilege to be the lighthouse to the world. Yeah. 
In Matthew chapter 21, verse 43, it says, Therefore, say unto you, this is the words of Jesus. Matthew chapter 21, verse 43 says, Therefore, I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken away from you and given to a nation, bring forth the fruits thereof. In other words, God is saying to Christians in America, well, if you don't want to be the light, if you don't want to give out the bread of life, then I'll put you on the side and I'll raise up a nation that is willing to do this thing, to do what I want them to do. And so in closing, I just want to say we're in desperate need for revival here in America. Amen? Amen. We need, just like God did a work of grace in those four lepers' hearts, we need to pray that God do a work of grace in our hearts. Amen? That God would revive us. That God would do what he says he would do in, in, in Habakkuk. If you have uh, your Bible open in your hand, look for Habakkuk. I'm having a hard time finding myself, so I don't feel bad if you can't find it yet. Amen? But Habakkuk, chapter 3, verse 2, it says, A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet upon Shiganoth. O Lord, I have heard thy speech, and I was afraid. Now, why do you say I'm afraid? Because if you read the first couple chapters of Habakkuk, it's talking about God's judgment upon the nation of Israel. God's judgment, that God would judge his people before he would judge their enemies. God's going to judge our enemies, amen? God will judge the Chinese for what they're doing, but God's judging God's people first. And so he said, I was afraid, oh Lord, I've heard that speech, and I was afraid. Lord, I don't want you to judge our people. And so he cries out in this prayer, Oh Lord, revive thy work in the midst of of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in wrath, remember mercy. And so I think we need to do that here in America. We need, to, we need to get on our knees and cry out to God, Oh God, in wrath, remember that you're also a God of mercy. Amen? Amen. Remember, oh God, that you are a God that, that is not willing any should perish. And so we need to get on our knees again, like it says in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, in verse 14. You might want to look there as well. It says there in 2 Chronicles Chapter 7, verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Um, I was talking to Brother Ronnie last night and he was telling me, you have a great preacher. That's good to hear. Amen? In fact, Brother Ronnie was boasting on you um, <laughs> you pay him a lot. <laughs> and um, I'm sure your preacher is well read. I like reaching, reading about revivals. And um, there was a guy named Brother Nash, or Father Nash, actually. And he would go around with a guy, uh, a, revival, a revivalist, um, years ago. Um, I can't think of his name now. And um, I was going to say George Mueller, but it's not that. Uh, Finney, Charles Finney. And Charles Finney would, would send Father Nash to different cities in America, up in New England. And in the great New York, uh, I think it was Rochester, New York revival, he arrived, Father Nash, about three weeks before with several other men. They rented a basement And all they did for about three weeks was just pretty much fast and pray that God would send the power of God upon the people of Rochester. Finally, when Finney got there, it was just like God opened up the windows of heaven. Uh, They talk about how he met this one of the most wealthiest women in the the city. And Charles Finney was talking to her, and she, of course, she was wealthy, she was proud, you know, she was, you know, involved in the nightlife of, of Rochester, going to parties and, you know, the social agenda, drinking her cocktails and, and enjoying all her, her riches. But as, as Finney talked with her, she just all of a sudden just started shaking, started weeping, and just broke down in tears. And, 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 and all of a sudden she, she just confessed her sins. She said, I'm a, I need to get saved. And, and she got saved. Then... After her salvation, she started talking to all her other wealthy friends in Rochester. Lawyers, doctors, 
physicians, uh, engineers, and, and inviting them out uh, to the, the, the Charles Finney uh, tent meetings. And all of a sudden, they got saved. Well, lo and behold, they were there for a whole year. And 100,000 people in a place which was, you wouldn't imagine there would be many people get saved. 100,000 people were converted to Christ in that one year. It was only really one person. I think if God could just get a hold of one person's heart in this church, just one person that's willing to humble themselves and pray and fast and seek God and be willing that God would just open up the windows of heaven and pour out His Spirit upon Nancy Pelosi and His Spirit upon all the people in congressmen and Congress and the senators and our president and our vice president, um, I believe God could do something great again. Amen? Amen? But I think we need to pray. I think we need also to, to ask God to do work of grace that we might give. Uh, the Bible speaks about the, the Christians in Macedonia and how that the riches of God's grace abounded, uh, abounded excuse me, in the midst of their great poverty. In other words, they didn't have a lot of money. They're going through tough times economically. I was talking to some of you about the, uh, how, how, how's the, uh, the ranch business going, how the cattle, uh, how much uh, a head of cattle is worth. And, and they were telling me it, was, it wasn't a good year last year. It was, it was economically a bad year. But you know what it says here? That in the midst of their great poverty, the riches of God's grace abounded so that the people of Macedonia were willing to give a special love offering to the people, the poor saints in Jerusalem, so that they might have the blessing of God's, of God's uh, bless, uh, money. And I feel that we need to do the same. We need to understand that by giving to people who are sending the light, God is going to do a work of grace in our own hearts. You know, Jesus said, give and it shall be given to you. Amen? Good measure, pressed down and shaken together. As we are willing to give like those four lepers, they're willing to share that wealth with those thousands of people in the city of Samaria. You know what? God brought blessing, I, I believe, to those four lepers. Amen? God's judgment was taken off of them. The Apostle Paul spoke about a special love offering that he received. He was a great missionary. If you want to look in your Bible, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 15. The Apostle Paul said, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I depart from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, Thessalonica, you sent once again unto my necessity. You know what? Us missionaries have necessities. Amen? He said, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. The Apostle Paul is saying, you know what? When I started the gospel, nobody really believed in me. No one really believed that I was a true apostle and a missionary. But you people in Macedonia did. And you sent once and again to my necessities. And we see that those people who invested in the Apostle Paul, probably the greatest missionary of all time, probably started more churches, probably won more people to Christ. God used them to, to write a third of the New Testament that we love and, and, and cherish. Those people were investing in eternity. Paul said that you, you're laying up fruit to your own account. And so we need to pray that God would do that, that God would do a, a work of grace in our hearts to give God, that God would do a work of grace in our hearts to, to pray, and that lastly, God would do a work of grace in our hearts to go. Those four lepers could have stayed, I guess, uh, in their nice house. They had the silver, they had the gold, they probably had used that, uh, or had plans to, to start you know, building on a nice, nice mansion. But they said, no, 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 no. We, need, we need to uncover this treasure. And uh, we need to, to go and we need to share the good news. We need to tell those people that there is hope. There is a bread of life. Amen. You don't have to perish. Yeah. There's plenty of bread. There's plenty of sustenance. There's plenty of hope. And so they were willing to go and they told, of course, the king's servants. The king's servants told the king. He wasn't really believing it. He said, no, no, this can't be. And, and the, the servants finally convinced him, well, you know, what does it hurt? You know, just send out the few 
the few people we have left and the few horses we have left and, you know, go and see. It might be true. It might not. And they went and they saw it was true. And you know what? Many people in Mexico, they, when they hear the gospel, you know that the gift of God is, is eternal life. When they hear that for the first time, after thinking in their works mentality salvation, no, no, I have to pray the rosary and I have to, you know, for 40 days, I have to go through Lent and I have to give up, you know, eating, you know, uh, beef tacos. I have to eat fish on Fridays and, and I have to walk on my knees so they're bloody and I have to go all the way to the Basilica and, uh, you know, to this special holy place to be saved. And when they hear, no, 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 it's not what you're going to do for God. It's what God's done for you on the cross. He sent his son to die. He shed his blood to pay the, the penalty for your sins. Uh, Christ said, it's finished. Uh, there's no more work to be done. God's offering the world the gift of God, which is eternal life. All we have to do is simply, simply reach out and take it. And you know what? It's such a blessing to do that. I would encourage you, of you who are not called to go to Juarez, Mexico, to go this week and knock on a door with those tracks that I'm seeing here and tell people, you know what? There's good news here in America. Amen. There's good news. The good news is that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God loves you, and if you accept Christ as Lord and Savior, he'll, he'll get you out of this, this, this depression. So many Americans are, are, are just, they're depressed. They have no hope. They feel, I might as well just put a bullet through my head because there's no, there's no reason to live. You know, we have hope. Jesus Christ gives hope. Amen? Amen. I want to encourage you to go. And I want to encourage you, if God does call you to go to Juarez, Mexico, there's 1.5 million people that need to hear the good gospel, the, the gospel of Christ. Amen? They need to hear the good news as well. So I want to challenge you to accept that call like Isaiah chapter 6 says, the Lord says, who shall I send and who shall go for me? And then Isaiah said, Lord, here am I, send me. Accept that call to go. Accept that call to, to be willing to give up whatever it takes to go to a foreign field. God will take care of you. God will take good care of you. You just have to be willing to go by faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for the blessing of America. Father, we know you have blessed this country. Father, you have incredibly just blessed the Lord, the people of this great country. And Father, we pray that you would allow America to be great again. Father, we pray that you would stir up our hearts. God, that you would revive us again, Lord, that you would be... God, just doing a work of grace in our hearts like these four lepers. To be willing, God, to pray and to give and to go and tell people the good news. Father, we pray today, Lord, if there's someone here, God, that's visiting, that has never opened their hearts to Christ, to receive Him as Lord and Savior, Father, we pray that you do a work of grace in their hearts to repent of their sins and accept Christ as Lord and Savior. Father, we pray that you would bless this church. Father, allow this church to be a lighthouse to send many, many more missionaries God, to those 198 countries of the world, to tell them, those people, about your love. Father, we pray and ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ, because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Cast in all your care upon him.